bottom line is uh, we're in single elimination play right now. We're going to have to put everything into each and every game. It is great having the road to the Super Bowl going through Lambeau. That doesn't guarantee anything. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. that Whitney Merciless thing is fake. Like every time I hear or see a tweet like Whitney Merciless was back at practice today. No, he wasn't. Shut up. Really? No, he wasn't. There's no way. And then I see another tweet. I see another report. And then, of course, the thing that really locks it in for me, I hear it in our Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network with Zach Heilbrin. Whitney Merciless tore his bicep like two months ago. What the hell? I went for a jog yesterday morning and I had ah, my hip kind of stiff a little bit. Then I was walking to my car this afternoon. Ah, my hip still kind of hurts. I don't, I don't know if I can go for a jog or do anything. Like yeah, Whitney Merciless tore his bicep. The muscle in your arm. Bicep, pretty important for, you know, lifting and pushing and just moving and just doing things in general. Yeah, he just, he, he tore that two months ago and he's back in practice. I don't know if he's going to play. Does anyone know how that works? Like, why would you bring someone back to practice if they weren't going to play? Just to be with his team? To be a leader? I mean, that's probably part of the reason why they brought him in. I remember when Whitney Merciless was added, Rodgers loved him. Got a veteran presence. Somebody who can really come in and make a difference. and Been there, done that. So maybe that's it. Maybe he's got no shot at playing and they just want him back around the team. I, I don't know. They did bring in Pau Gasol, the Bucks did, a couple of years ago. Remember that? Pau Gasol Bucks? Maybe Pau Gasol, Whitney Merciless, going to play similar roles on a team that has similar championship aspirations, right? Packers are on bye. We'll get to them. We have a lot to say about the Packers tonight. Don't worry. But I want to start with some other things. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had an excellent, wonderful day. A uh, little bit of a bummer because this is not only a platform I use to talk about sports but complain about my life. Uh, one of my coworkers is celebrating her retirement, Sam Strong, who has been on mornings in lacrosse for a year, for a long time, for decades. And she's a legend and she's retiring and her party's going on right now. And I wish I could be there. There's a company tab. and It's a really nice place right around the corner in downtown lacrosse. And I'm missing it. So here's what I'm saying. I am missing this soiree, a chance to celebrate a legend in lacrosse radio and a chance, yes, to get some drinks on the company. But that's not the point. So if I'm missing out on this today, this show's got to be a 10, okay? Not just for me, but from you too. So we all need to take this as a personal responsibility today to make this show as great as possible. Now, I'm ready. I'm locked and loaded. You need to be ready too. This is on you as as much as it is on me. Send me a text or give me a call, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me. Follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Mike Clements will be here in an hour and a half. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers at 430 we're going to have some fun with Aaron Rodgers today. Typically, I avoid the the weird stuff in the press conferences just because it's not really productive. Today, let's get weird. Let's talk about some of the fun things with Aaron Rodgers. Why not? Uh, as we navigate through the bye week. We'll know the Packers' opponent after this weekend, at least, so that'll give us a little bit of a shot in the arm uh, and a little direction with what to talk about and kind of how to keep talking about the Packers as the playoffs really get underway. Thank God it's Thursday. We can uh, obviously step into the NBA lounge. Does everyone know the rules here? I think we've been doing this for a couple weeks now. Everyone kind of gets the gist. Start every Thursday, 
15 to 20 minutes tops just talking about the NBA. It might include the Bucks. Today it will not, but we will talk about the Bucks when we come back after our first break. Talk about the big stories. The NBA is a blast and a half. But what I've found through years of watching the NBA is if you're not really into it and you're not a diehard, especially during the regular season, sometimes you just need a little, you need, you need someone to help. That's me. Watched a lot of games this week. There's a couple fun stories regarding trades. Uh, we have a couple games I want to talk about. A player in particular, a trade or two, and a Bucks topic. I think we're going to get to that after our next break. I don't think we'll have time to sneak the Bucks in here. I want to work chronologically. I want to go back to Tuesday night. First thing I noticed this week, John Morant. Now, John Morant on Tuesday night had 29-5-4. and four, And the Grizzlies beat the Golden State Warriors convincingly. It wasn't a blowout, but it wasn't some fluky buzzer beater. Memphis is looking like a legit team. And we talked about the Grizzlies, I think, last week or maybe the week before. I've kind of said my piece about the Grizzlies. They're fun. And right now, they're actually third in the West. So they're past being fun. They're good and fun. You can be both. Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams even had 17 the other night. They just come at you. They attack you and they keep coming and coming and coming. And it's it's a team that you just don't want to deal with. Like, Throughout the ho-hum regular season, if you're the Nets or the Bucks or the Golden State Warriors or the Suns, teams that have established themselves, teams that may or may not have won championships, players who have won titles and played in finals, and you're just trying to get through the regular season, you don't want to see the Grizzlies. They're just a pain in the butt. They come at you, they attack you, they eat you up, and they're exhausting to play against. And we talked about this last week. They also do a really good job utilizing Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain and the players around John Morant, because there's possessions where they'll stick John in the corner and they'll let somebody else run the show. And if John wants to get involved at the play, he's got to move, got to cut, got to do something, rather than having everyone spread out and having John just bring the ball down every single play. Right? They do things a little bit differently. We talked about all of this last week. The reason why I bring the Grizzlies up again is we got to start talking about what we're going to do with John. Okay? I-, I don't know if that means an MVP conversation. I think when I checked last night or two nights ago, he was somewhere around sixth in the odds behind Giannis, KD. Uh, obviously, Steph is up there. Chris Paul is up there, too, just because the Suns are... The Suns are the one seed. Nobody talks about the Suns, right? But if Memphis actually does hang tight in that three seed and John Morant does play like this all season long, he might not win MVP, but he's going to be in the conversation. And that's not something that I fathomed to start the year or even a couple of weeks ago. So I want to get that out there. Just throw a little flag, little John Moran MVP flag. Throw that out there. Um, also, I kind of worry because he's so physical and he plays with such violence and nastiness. We saw that with Rose. He broke down really quickly. We saw it with Westbrook, and Westbrook didn't break down until later in his career. John Moran's probably the next version of the really, really powerful guard. Now, John Moran's really got a good shot going. I think he's like... I think he's almost 50, 40, 80. So he's shooting way better and probably better than Rose and certainly Westbrook did their stages in their career. But I also want to see Ja protect himself and stay healthy. So I'm interested to see how he navigates that. Just remember this conversation about John ja Morant because there's a chance that in two months we come back and we're talking about John ja Morant as first or second team in all NBA um, or even maybe in the MVP conversation. I don't think he's going to win unless his team is the one seed, but I don't, I don't think that's possible. Next item, yesterday. We got a Ben Simmons update. Remember when we used to get a Ben Simmons update every day? 
It's like the Aaron Rodgers saga, right? For a couple weeks there, it's like every day there was something coming out. Well, Ben Simmons is like the great value Aaron Rodgers in that way. We get things here and there. We don't get it every day like we do with Aaron Rodgers. And we're not talking as much about Ben Simmons as we were. But every once in a while, we'll get something. We'll get a little nugget here and there. And the Sixers just had a seven-game winning streak snapped last night. They're playing well. They're in a nice spot. If in the East, with, with all the injuries they've dealt with, and obviously Ben Simmons has barely played at all, that's a good spot for them. But any damage they do in the postseason or as a contender in the future is going to come down to Simmons playing or getting something for Simmons. Here's Woj on ESPN yesterday talking to Malika Andrews about what he's heard about Ben Simmons. Malika, you talked to some teams who've continued to be engaged with the Sixers on uh, Ben Simmons over the months. They'll tell you that Philly's asking price has even gotten steeper. <laughs> that there would be a thought that, you know, as you got closer to the deadline, they start to come back down to earth of what they're asking for. That's not been the case. And so I think it's showing that Philadelphia remains, you know, determined to try to get, you know, a difference maker back for him. You know, listen, they would love to have Jalen Brown from the Celtics. Boston has made it clear to Philly. You know, I think the other teams around the league who've called, they are not splitting up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Right. Boston's packages of Marcus Smart and some of those, any year of your pick of young players in Boston, that's not getting it done for a player of Ben Simmons's caliber. And listen, Philly's going, I, I really believe they're willing to take this to the NBA draft into the summer. We still have a month till the trade deadline, but I, I think they're feeling, and I think what you still have in Philly is alignment with ownership, with management, that if we can't get back a team here or the pieces that allow us to be a championship contender, there's no point in doing it. And so if we're going to eventually give in on a deal we don't love, we're not doing it now. Okay. So I love that the Celtics made their way into that conversation. And as a Celtics hater here, I'm partial, but I love that they are standing firm. <laughs> like, I, it cracks me up that the Celtics are like, no, we're not separating Tatum and Brown. We're 21 and 21. A couple of wins and we'll be in the eighth seed. They're the 10th seed right now. So I love the idea that Boston is in some catbird seat, unlike Philly. Philly's five seeds in front of the Celtics right now. So I, I get a kick out of that. Second, I actually kind of get the logic from Philly. Simmons Valley, you can't go lower, right? Can it? I mean, what would he have to do for his value to go lower than it is right now? Something nuts. Now, that doesn't mean his value is high at the moment, but I don't know if it's going to be lower in two months or the summer near the draft. I don't know if it's going to get lower than it is now. Doesn't mean it's high. So I kind of get the logic. If they don't have something they love right now, then don't. I also don't know that they're ever going to get something that they love. Sure, you don't want Marcus Smart and young players. You don't want Harrison Barnes. You don't want Sabonis. You don't want John Collins. Okay, sure. Then wait for something you like, but there might not be something you like. Doesn't mean you need to make a deal now, but I... I don't know what the Sixers. I think Daryl Morey is, I don't know. I think, I think he's letting it ride a little bit too much here. You need to get something back for that asset. Next, I want to talk about team of a player that I just mentioned, John Collins. Sixers don't want him. Let's talk about John Collins' team, the Hawks. Now, remember coming into the year, we had high hopes for the Hawks. Well, I did. And I, of course, in my mind, think on this show, we all agree on everything and feel the same way about everyone all the time, which we don't. But I came into this year excited about the Hawks. Not because their arrival of the Bucks that actually scared me. 
but because they had all this young talent up and coming, they just got a taste of it in the playoffs, great playoff experience, and then they had extra pieces and money to throw around if they wanted to make a trade or bring someone in. We have since hopped off the Hawks wagon. They aren't just underachieving. They're worse than Boston right now. They're 17 and 23, which means they're only ahead of the Pacers, the Pistons, and the Magic in the East. How? They haven't won a home game since November 22nd. That's like three COVID variants ago, right? I, I don't get how this is possible. I get them slogging a little bit in the sixth seed, but they're only better than the Pacers, who are a mess, and the Pistons and the Magic, who are completely and totally bottomed out and tanking. That's bizarre to me. And today, Travis Schlenk, their GM, kind of waved the white flag, kind of like a little preliminary wave of the white flag. They traded Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, a 2025 second rounder, and Solomon Hill, who's hurt, to the Knicks for Kevin Knox, who's more of a punchline than a contributing player, and a first-round pick that will come via Charlotte. This trade that happened today, which beautiful timing for the NBA Lounge, is a complete and total admission of a fear that we had about the Hawks a couple of weeks ago, which is that they got too many guys. They have too many guys. And that might seem like an impossible problem to have. How, how can you have too many good players? Well, when you have too many players who are good but think they're great, they think they should be playing starting and closing minutes. Cam Reddish doesn't want to split time with Bogdan and Danilo Gallinari, but he is. And this is even going to get worse when DeAndre Hunter comes back healthy, right? So you can have too many guys. You have all these guys on the bench who are unhappy. And then when they get in the game, they want to make the most of their minutes because they want to get their next contract or they want to get noticed so they can get a bigger role with the Hawks or elsewhere possibly in the future. So they play differently and it's not a play style that's conducive to winning because you're trying to prove something. In the NFL, you can't have too many good players. It's not possible. There's no way that you can have a roster of 53 guys that are too good. In the NBA, you can have too much good. You need, you need great somewhere. And that's why the Hawks, who are deeper and more talented than most teams in the East, still are nowhere near the Bucks because their best player isn't as great as Giannis. They have too much good and no great. That's a tough spot to be in as an NBA team. Lastly, and I want to talk about the Bucks coming up next. Maybe we should have started with this. I don't know. I thought this would have been a nice note to end on. Clay Thompson came back on Sunday. 941 days since he played last. Remember, he blew his ACL in the finals against Toronto. And then he ruptured his Achilles right when he was getting ready to come back from that first injury. Clay, like Steph, is one of my favorite players in the league. Firstly, because he seems really chill. Like, I, I think you could sit down and have a conversation with Clay, and he seems like a pretty normal, dorky, funny guy. I just, I just enjoy Clay. He seems like a funny guy. But also, because his play style is a great example for young basketball players. And I don't mean to sound like an old man that's like, I, I'm concerned about the direction of our great sport. That's not what I mean. Like, Steph Curry's had a great impact on the game. He's teaching kids to value the three-point shot, right? Now, you still need to ball handle, and Steph does. Still need to be able to shoot free throws, and Steph does. You need to be able to finish at the rim, and Steph does, and move when you don't have the ball, and have a good feel, and pass, and be a good teammate. Steph does all that, right? He sets a good example. Clay does, too, because Clay does more with less. And I think he does more with less than maybe any NBA player I've ever watched. You can go through some of Clay's best performances ever, where he's scoring 39 and a quarter, or he's going for 40 or 50 in playoff games. The points to dribble ratio is insane. 
man doesn't dribble. He doesn't dominate the ball. He doesn't slow everyone else down. He knows how to get to his spots, knows how to make himself available to, to catch and shoot, knows how to set up his body to catch and shoot as fast as possible. He does more with less better than possibly any player in the NBA. And some of that is dictated by situation. If you're playing next to Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, you need to do more with less. But that's a challenge that he faced and succeeded greatly. And I'm glad he's back. Basketball's better for it. And that was reflected in the ratings and the hype at the arena on Sunday when Clay took the court for the first time in 941 days. It's insane. Let's take a break. Come back and talk about the Bucks. Fun NBA Lounge. Can't wait till next week. show going to talk bucks for a few minutes and in about 10 minutes we're going to get to aaron Rodgers. we're gonna have some fun with aaron Rodgers today colin cowherd had a take on his podcast yesterday that is this wacky zany tinfoil hat conspiracy about aaron Rodgers, and it's almost certainly not true but i <laughs> but i kind of love it i kind of think it's a brilliant take and i think that there might just be a chance that he's right maybe I wouldn't bet on it, but I also don't know that I'd bet against it. So we're going to have some fun with Aaron Rodgers in about 10 minutes. Mike Clemens will be here at 530. Much more serious. No chicanery when Mike is in the building, or I guess when Mike is on the phone. 608-796-2558. Hit me up. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Follow me on Twitter if you don't already. If you if you follow the show and you listen to the show, but you don't follow me on Twitter, what the hell? Like, not to... Like, not, not to make it too black and white. What do you, come on. Come on. Throw a man a follow, please. Please and thank you. At Wisco Grant, give me a text, give me a call. I want to talk about basketball for a couple more minutes. Uh, there was a game last night that we didn't have time to get to in the NBA lounge. So I want to hit on that. I got a Bucks take, and then maybe if we have time, just look at tonight's Badger game for a quick sec. I don't have much to say about it, but they do have a big game tonight at home against Ohio State. Last night, really quickly, something I wanted to touch on because I know we have some fans of this team that listen to the show. Bulls-Nets played last night, and they were the late game. I don't know why. Nets, East Coast, Bulls. Chicago's Central Time Zone, right? Yep, I was going to say, because Indiana and Michigan, you get over into Eastern, so I just I wanted to make sure in my head. I don't know why that was the late game. I think the early game was what? Mavericks, Grizzlies, Mavericks. The Mavericks were, I'm pretty sure the Mavericks were playing someone in the early game. The early game on ESPN sucked. I wasn't really paying attention to it. Obviously, I can't remember who played. But Bulls-Nets was the late game. And this game was valuable to me and I think a lot of people who've been watching the Bulls and watching the NBA and obviously enjoying the Bulls because they've been, they've been amazing and they're fun to watch and they have zest and they have pep and we're seeing the best version of Levine who fits so well with DeRozan. And then they have that defensive backcourt of Lonzo Ball and Caruso and Vooch. Like, this team's fun, right? But last night was a good litmus test to see how they would possibly defend Kevin Durant and in in even bigger scope, how one day down the road they might defend Giannis because the defensive strength of the Bulls is the backcourt. They got Caruso and they got Lonzo. They don't have anyone in the front court who can defend worth a damn. DeRozan can't defend. Vooch can't defend. They, they can't. So Kevin Durant and Giannis could present challenges for this team. Well, Kevin Durant, I think, showed that whatever they were doing against him last night isn't going to work. 7 of 10, 3 of 4 from 3. He had his highest scoring quarter of the season. He had 17 in the third, and all six of his shots were contested. He didn't get any open looks. 
and Brooklyn outscored Chicago by 20 points in the third quarter. This is our question for the Bulls moving forward. What do you do with Giannis? What do you do with Durant? Unless you let those guys go for 50, and then you try to put the clamps on everyone else. Maybe that's a scenario where you let Giannis try to single-handedly beat you, and then you want to make sure that Drew or Chris Middleton or Pat or whoever doesn't get theirs. This stat is pretty damning, and it shows that the Bulls are going to have to come up with some good defensive strategy to kind of help Booch and DeRozan or Levine because they're they're just not good defenders. Opponents are scoring .784 points per possession, so about an eighth of a point, or I guess eight-tenths of a point, 80% of a point per possession with Vucevic defending the screen and drop coverage with either Levine or DeRozan defending the ball handler. That, that is a stupid high number. So that's not going to work. If you're playing drop coverage with Vooch and you're having Levine and DeRozan go under ball screen, that, that ain't going to work. And we saw that last night against Kevin Durant. Now, Giannis is a different type of player, so it'll probably take a different strategy. Just something to monitor with the Bulls moving forward. Mike, downtown Madison. We're going to get to the Bucks in a sec, but first we're going to get to Mike. Mike, what's up? What's up, man? How are you? I am swell. Uh, we're going to do some conspiracy theory stuff with Rogers in about 12 minutes, and I think people are going to hate it and get mad. But So I'm kind of dreading that, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm probably I'm probably gonna love it. So it'll be fun. Um, yeah, I think that scenario with the Bulls just means the Bulls don't win the East. Yeah. I think that's all that means. Yeah, and I like look. I would have to look at the odds right now on who's gonna win the East. I think even a lot of Bulls fans I've heard is like, well, this is a great team, but you need a superstar. They don't really they don't have that one guy, and I don't know. Maybe that's a reductive way to view basketball, but that's kind of how basketball works, right? Like you need that one guy. They don't have that one guy. Yeah. Absolutely. They don't. They don't. They have a very, very good team right now. Yeah, so um, and I don't think anyone anyone can argue that. No. Um, for sure. And uh, just to let you know, NBA Lounge, I even got my cocktail out. Hell yeah. Uh, I wish I nice. had. Nice. Got a nice uh, <laughs> Got a nice Woodford on ice. Oh, it's delicious. So, Hell yeah. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm enjoying the NBA Lounge because I'm not a huge, you know, through the regular season NBA guy, but I am starting to get into it a little bit more due to the NBA Lounge. Yes, uh, that's what we like to hear. That's awesome. Have you been I watching? Like, the, I, have you been watching the Bucks? Yeah, so I like the Bucks. I actually like the Bucks tonight a lot. Um, you know, I, I think. <sighs> I, I really think that Giannis just has a big game, um, and I, I like what I see. I'm actually going. I'm not going to be able to watch it too much, though. I'm going to the uh, uh, Badgers Ohio State game tonight. Ooh, so. jealous! Oh, okay. So my workplace, we do bus trips. Like the Zone in Madison does this too, where you sell tickets, you take a bus to a game, and we're taking a sure. bus to Badgers Penn State, and it's in early February. It's a Saturday game. I've never been to the Kohl's Center, and I feel like I maybe should go. Yeah, so this will this will be my first time at the Cole Center as well. Um, I'm sitting; I'll be sitting right behind the uh, Ohio State bench. So let them have it. Uh, yeah, man, should be good. <laughs> well, awesome. Enjoy the game, and we can talk about the Bucks tomorrow. I'm I'm going to key on this game for sure. So uh, at some point, yeah, let's talk. Let's we'll talk, talk uh, Badgers and Bucks tomorrow, and uh, I can't wait to hear what you got those Rogers hits. So yeah, and thanks, Mike. Have a good night. Enjoy the game. See you, dude. I love what Mike just said about. Uh, Giannis, because tonight, so the Bucks are playing the Warriors. The Warriors are thirty and ten. They have been unreal, and Clay's back now. The Bucks are twenty six and seventeen. They actually lost four of their last five, and the losses were the Pistons, the Raptors, and the Hornets twice. Those aren't exactly games you want to drop. All of the losses were respectable. They didn't get blown out. They had a comeback attempt against the Raptors. They came up short. The Pistons, much of the same, and 
both of those Hornets games were winnable. They just, they came up short. They took too long to get in gear, whatever. The one game they did win over the last five, so over the last week, they beat the Nets in Brooklyn on Friday. They smoked the Nets. And I was up north at a buddy's cabin with two friends, and neither one of them are diehard Bucks fans, maybe like I am, but they, they're sports fans. So we're watching the game, and it was a pretty game, wasn't it? The way the ball flew around, and there was great, like, there was great ball movement. There was great passing, really good in transition. Bobby Portis was r- rim running, making himself available. Like, it was just, it was a good brand of basketball. And, of course, the Bucks won, but when the Bucks play their best band of basketball, they're hard to beat. I mean, they won the title last year, and they've been very close over the last couple of seasons. I saw a tweet about Giannis that got me thinking, and it kind of plays to what Mike said. And, and Mike's prediction sounded rather basic. He's like, I think the Bucks win tonight. I think Giannis is going to have a huge game. And the Bucks are favored by one point. It's essentially a pick em. I do like his Giannis take about Giannis having a big night tonight because I, this is something I've been thinking about. I'm just going to read you this tweet. Giannis used to play every game like it was the most important one to ever happen. Then he played the most important one to ever happen, right? And that was a little different. Somebody quote tweeted this tweet, and I like this. I think this is a good ad. He still goes super hard, but you can tell he's learning to pick spots better. First year, you can see, really doesn't look like he's gunning. He's not even trying to dunk as much anymore. Honestly, looks like he's trying to work on parts of his game during games. Now, I'm a Bucks fan. I would like this to be the case. I would like to believe that the Bucks don't have issues, and losing four of five is just apathy, and it's not some structural issue with the team, and it's not some regression from any of the players on the roster, right? Of course, this is what I would like to believe. But it does make sense. Giannis played every game like his life was on the line. He tried harder than everyone, and he was more physical, and he would just throw you out of the way. He was fighting for his life on the court, which is what it looked like. I mean, that's when he started playing basketball, he quite literally was playing for his life. And then he played in the finals, and it put it all into perspective, and he thought, uh, you know what? Actually, that Tuesday night game against the Pistons isn't life or death. It used to be, when I was hooping in Greece, used to be life or death. It's not life or death anymore. And I think he is working on his game and maybe playing in a more sustainable way. And against the Warriors, against Steph, at home, this game's at home, right? I The Bucks are favored by one, and I would imagine that's where that comes from. I should know this. Why do I not know this? <laughs> yeah, it's at Pfizer. That's what I thought. I was just checking. I think Giannis is going to treat this game with a lot of importance, which I don't think he's been doing with all of them because I think he got some great perspective from playing in the finals and really how to pace himself and prioritize certain games possibly over others. Tonight, I can't wait to watch because I think we're going to get full mode stampede Giannis. Let's take a break. I want to get into Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We're going to do some fun conspiracy theory stuff and then we'll be serious with Mike Clemens in an hour. So we'll balance it out. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, give me a text or a call, 608 796 My name is Grant Bills, and you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Mike Clemens is going to be here in an hour. That'll be our serious Packers conversation for the day. What I want to do for the next 10 or 12 minutes is serious, sure, but it's also kind of fun. Take this with a grain of salt, okay? Because I know what's going to happen here. We're going to play some sound bites. I'm going to get my reaction, and then everyone's going to be like, oh, you hate Aaron Rodgers. No, I no, I don't. No, I don't. He's my quarterback. Yeah, he's a weirdo. He's my quarterback. My team. Want him to win a Super Bowl. But we should be able to have fun with this. This is a funny thing we're about to do. Just keep that in mind 
before you call or text or tweet me and you get all mad. Please. It's fun. We listened to a little bit of Aaron Rodgers' hit on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, specifically the part of the interview where he talked about Matt LaFleur. Because I thought that was applicable. That's useful. We could talk about that. What makes Matt LaFleur a good coach? We, from the outside, can say this and that, and we really like this part of his offense and the way that he uses this player. But to hear it from his quarterback, right, a quarterback that's played with a couple head coaches now, right, I think that's a perspective that we should weigh. So we talked about that, especially the part of Aaron Rodgers talking about how hard of a worker Matt LaFleur is. He's got a work ethic. He's always working. And I thought that was worth diving into a little bit. We did that yesterday. If you want to find the podcast, just look up Wisco Sports Show wherever you get your shows. It'll be right there, right? It's a big portion of yesterday's show. The one part of the McAfee interview that we didn't listen to was the rant that Rodgers gave defending his honor from some anonymous source. You might know what I'm talking about. You might not. I don't want anyone to feel left out. So here's what I did. I saved the clips that we need for background info, but I edited them down. I'm going to go as quick as possible. So I'm not going to play you two minutes of audio. I have a 20-second clip, a 50-second clip, and that's it, right? So if you have heard this audio or you heard it on another show, I'm sorry, but I don't want anyone to be left out of this conversation. So Boomer Esiason has a show, Boomer and Geo, and someone texted their show, it's a big show, some Aaron Rodgers scoop. And it's some anonymous source from Aaron Rodgers' circle that's giving them this scoop, right? So this is what was said on the Boomer and Geo show. This is audio from that show. I've been told by multiple people in Aaron's direct circle that if the Packers make the Super Bowl, he will use the week leading up to the Super Bowl to prove a major point. He will threaten the NFL by saying he won't play in the big game or next season if they don't eliminate some of the COVID-related rules. One big one that upsets him the most is the testing of non-symptomatic players. He's told Jordan Love to be ready. That's my favorite part at the end. He's told Jordan Love to be ready. Okay, I don't, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I buy into that. So Rodgers might boycott the Super Bowl if he makes it. Tells Jordan Love to get ready. Okay, kind of fishy. But, like, not that out of the ordinary in the world of sports. Like, stuff like this is thrown around all the time. So this really isn't anything that crazy, especially for a player like Aaron Rodgers. We're always talking about him. Always. There's a new story every day. So this stuff comes and goes all the time. Now, Rodgers gets word of this and is asked about it. Well, I I don't know if he's asked about it on the Pat McAfee show. It comes up. Rodgers doesn't even wait to be asked before he jumps in. People at some point, even after two years. Multiple sources, Pat. There are multiple sources in my direct circle. I'm like, come on, man. Why would I play in to the majority of people in a meaningless week 18 game? Oh yeah. And then and then what I care about and train for in the offseason and focus on during the season and and manifest thoughts to my teammates to, to have this on our mind, winning a Super Bowl. You think I would do all that? and play in a meaningless game to most people in Week 18, and then boycott the Super Bowl. Yeah. You don't know me. And yeah. that's my hope. Whether you're Pornhub okay. or whoever this person <laughs> my direct circle is, you, yeah. you don't know me. So, you don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. Hey, all right, dude. Hey, I'm happy you got here. My favorite part of that is when Rogers finishes his rant. And they're all like, uh, all right, man. Like, yeah, I'm glad you got that. 
that you got that off your chest. You don't know me. You don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. That's, that's going to be what I play for Dave from Monona next time he calls to make fun of me for something that I you say. You don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. <laughs> Crazy along the lines of Michael Scott's iconic quote where he says, you don't know me, you've only seen my penis, right? Like, we all know that line. Like, that's basically what Rogers is saying. You don't know me, so stop talking as okay. if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. Okay. 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 By the way, I got a good text about this yesterday from a listener, and I, and I want to bring this up again because it was an awesome point, and it's not really one that I have a, a rebuttal to. I just I think it's important in this conversation. Rogers, in this instance, is damned if he does. He's damned if he doesn't, right? If he doesn't address this, we all say that he's playing up these rumors, right? And he's not coming out and speaking directly on them. But if he goes out of his way to make them a big deal, then we criticize him for being, I don't know, just kind of goofy and weird. And then everyone on the McAfee show is like, all right, yeah, I'm glad you, we didn't even really ask you about that, but I'm glad you had that rant prepared, right? He's just, he's kind of weird. This is a lose-lose scenario for Aaron Rodgers, right? If he doesn't say anything, then he's giving life to these rumors. And if he goes on some weird rant, then a guy like me who has nothing better to do comes on his show and it's like, dude, just let it, let it go. Let it go. You don't know me. You don't know me, so stop talking so stop, as so if you stop. do know me or so you have stop. some sort of idea. You don't know me. Okay. I wasn't going to talk about this at all, by the way. This came up yesterday on the show, and I kind of poo-pooed it, and we moved on because I just there's not really much to say. Until today, when I was on Twitter, and I saw this clip from Colin Cowherd's podcast. This was this was going around Twitter. This I don't know if it was viral, but everyone was seeing it. This is amazing. This take is outstanding. And I'm pretty sure, like 70 to 75% sure this is all crap. I'm like 73% sure this is crap. But I, unlike most Packer fans I have perceived, could also 100% see this being true. Here's Colin Cowherd. The number had come from the Virginia area several years ago when I was ripping Aaron Rodgers. I got a text from a Virginia number. Don't know who it was, anonymous giving me inside information on the Packers. Some of it was pretty darn detailed, like way more than your typical fan. So I looked up the number. Uh, I looked up the address of the number, and in no way did it appear to be somebody that worked for an NFL team. But there was too much information not to be an insider, things that had not been published yet. And so when I... Hear the Aaron Rodgers story with Boomer, and I, and I go back to my story. It's the only time in my career that's happened, that I get a random anonymous text with a lots of inside information claiming that Aaron Rodgers, the claim was he's leaving Green Bay. It was almost like somebody was trying to set me up to look bad. It was almost like somebody was setting up Boomer to look bad. Is it possible that somebody in Aaron Rodgers' camp is trying to create, when the criticism gets hot, a little misinformation campaign, which he can use to validate the inaccuracy of the media? I mean, did anybody else notice how harsh the criticism of Boomer Esiason was from Aaron Rodgers? It's all very suspicious to me. Okay, so I love this take, but there's a couple parts that I just kind of want to discard. I don't think there's any heat on Rodgers from the media. I don't think this is in response to anything. If Coward is right and this came from Rodgers, I don't think he's doing it because the media is crushing him right now. He's about to win MVP. So that that doesn't really ring true to me. 
Also, I don't think he crushed Boomer and Geo. He was crushing whoever might have sent this message because, as Roger said, whoever sent that message does not know him. You don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. So I think the most likely scenario here is that someone pranked Boomer and Geo and it worked. The Jordan Love part is what kills me. He's told Jordan Love to be ready. That would never be a thing. Even if Rogers put this scoop in himself, even if he sent that text, he would never say he's told Jordan Love to be ready. I think that's what happened. But just for fun, let's kick this around. Packers fans, stick with me here, okay? The premise of this take isn't insane. The foundation of this take isn't insane. I got Packers fans on Twitter telling me that it is. I tweeted today because I I went and I looked at Cowherd's Twitter and I looked at this tweet, which is where most of it was like spread around. I'm sure it was on Facebook and YouTube. But I was looking at the quote tweets and the replies. And it's a lot of Packers fans saying this is a joke. Cowherd's a hack. This is crap. What is this, right? And I tweeted, I'm like, am I the only Packers fan that could totally see this being true? I could absolutely 100% see this being true. I don't think it is, but it absolutely could be. And I got Packers fans in my mentions. They're like, yes, you're the only one. This take is not insane. This is actually pretty logical. Let's think about what we've seen over the last few months. Consider the evidence. He was silent all offseason when weird rumors got floated around. I'm not saying he started those rumors, but he sat back while... Mike Garofalo and this insider and that insider and Tom Pelissero and Schefter threw out all these weird things. He wants Brian Gutekind fired. He doesn't like Matt LaFleur. It, it all stems from the draft. It all stems from this. What really set him off was Jake Kumaro, and there's all this crap being thrown out. Roger sat back all summer only to come into training camp and pissed as can be, give a 10-minute long prepared rant about everything he's upset about about how everyone's got it all wrong throughout the offseason. No, it's really about this and that and the other thing, right? He enjoys that. He was ready for that. He was looking forward to that. Now, fast forward a little bit. He injures his toe. He calls it a quarantine injury. He's very vague about it, right? Now, I'm not saying that he has to tell us what happened to his toe, but people are going to ask. And he never really gave an answer. He was joking about it. He was kind of BSing about it. At one point, he even joked that he had COVID toe. He said that he had COVID toe. And then when McAfee followed up, oh, it is COVID toe? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. He was being vague about it only to crush someone who took him serious. And the reporter for the Wall Street Journal shouldn't have taken him serious. I'm not saying she was right. But Rogers easily could have prevented that by just saying, you know what? I stubbed it on my garbage can in my house because my dog scared me. That would have been so simple. And yet he left the door open, left it vague, because it's kind of fun. Ooh, what are people going to say? What's the speculation? Oh, someone said I had COVID toe? All right, listen up. He got all upset. Dunked on this person, right? Again, it was a dumb article, but come on. Can we not be idiots here? And then, two weeks ago, last week, before the Lions game, he goes on the Manning cast, and he plops conveniently... Atlas Shrugged on his bookshelf right behind his head, knowing that that book in particular would trigger people and piss people off. I'm not saying he shouldn't be allowed to have the book. I'm not saying that you can or can't read what you want. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Aaron Rodgers knew damn well what he was doing when he's like, yeah, I'm really into this book right now. It's called Atlas Shrugged. He knew that would trigger people. And he did it anyway, only to then later come out and say, I've never even read the damn thing. (laughs) Like, this idea that a rumor actually could have come from Rogers camp somewhere. Isn't that insane? 
It's probably not true, but let's not pretend like this is the most ridiculous thing we've ever heard. This could absolutely be true because we've seen something similar to this happen four or five times since the draft in April where Rodgers is vague and Rodgers doesn't talk about this, that, and the other thing, and he waits for someone to take that information and draw a conclusion or take a joke seriously only then to come out and dump on them and get, like, angry and animated. You don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. Again, I don't think this is what happened. I don't think Rodgers had someone feeding Boomer Asides and texts. But let's not pretend like it's the most insane thing we've ever heard because it's not. This would actually kind of fit the profile of this weird year with a weird guy, actually complicated fella. Mark Murphy's words, not mine. Now go Packers, go Rodgers, he's my guy. And if anyone from any other fan base wants to come at him, I will defend him until the bitter end. And I'm right and you're wrong. But yeah, he's a weird dude. And this could absolutely be true. I don't think it is, but it's not that nuts. 608-796-2558, we'll spend a couple more minutes on this. And then I want to talk about some other things after five o'clock. So if you got any wany conspiracy theories, Zach, wacky, zany takes, Get him in before 5 o'clock because we're moving on uh, when Zach Heilprin's voice gives us an update at 5. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. We're just kicking around some tinfoil hat takes. I love Colin Cowherd. Doesn't mean I love all of his takes. I'm pretty 50-50 with Cowherd whether or not I actually agree. Sometimes he gets a little weird. He gets a little dramatic. I think he had gold in his hand with this Aaron Rodgers take. And he just, he took it a little bit off the edge with me when he talked about Aaron Rodgers wanting to make a fool of the media or like when the pressure's on Rodgers always leaks something like this to make the media look stupid. I don't think the pressure's on Rodgers right now. He's probably about to win his fourth MVP. Life is good. His team is the one seed. I, I don't think he's doing this to attack the media. And he's doing this because he likes to do it. And look, there's no crime in that. It's just bizarre. The idea that somebody in his camp would leak something like this so then he can go on the McAfee show and defend his honor, which I think is it's like Rodgers' favorite thing to do. Like, defending himself from people who may come at him. And he's had, obviously, lots of opportunities to do that. Some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it's just people that don't like Rodgers. Zach and Eau Claire, we got a couple of texts on this. I'll read your guys' takes before we take a break at 5 o'clock. Zach says, that Cowherd take is hilarious, and I kind of hope it's true. Yeah, it's funny. This doesn't need to be, that's what I'm saying. We can enjoy this. We, this doesn't need to be, like, solving the Middle Eastern crisis here. Uh, love Rogers, but he just might be enough of a rascal to try and have one of his buddies screw with a certain media member that Rogers might not like. This is just precious and maybe possible. Go pack, go. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I think everything you just said is rock solid. Uh, Jake from Colfax. Oh, I love Colfax. I was close to Colfax last weekend. I went through Wheeler, did not take a right on 170. It's been too long. Um, is Buck Snort still there? Good fish fry. Jake says, Grant, you're not alone. The more I think about it, the less surprised I'd be if it was true. Seems like an Aaron thing to do. Yeah, like, I, this is, this is what I'm saying. I'm not arguing that Aaron did this. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. But it's not crazy. So stop saying it's crazy. Because this is, this is right on par with what Rogers has been up to. Uh, Tim in Menominee says, phone number was spoofed, probably. 
No telling where it really came from. Should file this with Bigfoot, Jimmy Hoffa, Amelia Earhart, and so on. Yeah, it was probably some loser that was pranking Boomer and Geo. Probably. Jason in on Alaska says he keep or no publicity is bad publicity. Rogers always wants to remain a topic of conversation no matter what, and he is a genius at it. He keeps things vague, so we keep talking. It's the subtlety of simplicity in dealing with the media. Yeah, there's uh, the subtlety of simplicity. And, uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite Rogers quotes. Up there with beautiful mystery. I think last week he hit us with a outward expression, an, an external expression of an interior feeling or inside feeling or something like that. Man, it's got away with words. It's got away with words. We do not know him, so stop acting like we do. That's another great quote. You don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. That's what I'm going to tell David Monona when he calls in and says that only uh, only fairies have yard parties. You don't know me. You know nothing about me or my yard party. You don't know me, so stop talking as <laughs> if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. Oh, I'm going to get way too much traction from that little bit of sound. Sweet me at Wisco Grant. Text and call 608-796-2558. You can hit me up. Mike Clements is going to be here in a half hour. So if you want to get connected and you want to chat, we got to do it between 5 and 5.30. When we come back, I, yes, want to keep talking about the Packers, but I also want to talk about some of these coaching hirings and firings building off of what we talked about yesterday where we ranked some of these available jobs which ones are good which ones are bad well what should teams be looking for we've talked about fit we've talked about culture well well, what comes next what makes a good coach into a great coach that has a long career i want to talk about the value of a good coach and what they do for a team coming up next on the wisco sports show We're in single elimination play right now. We're going to have to put everything into each and every game. It is great having the road to the Super Bowl going through Lambeau. That doesn't guarantee anything. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, This is a sports show. I want to keep talking about Rodgers. I want to extend our coaching discussion we started yesterday. But I got a texter from Colfax. So now I want to talk about Colfax things. Uh, I asked Jake from Colfax. Or is it Jason? I'm sorry. I just got your name saved. Jake from Colfax. Okay. So I asked you, the Buck Snort. It's got a good fish fry. But I haven't been up there in a while. He says the Buck Snort was sold a few years ago. It's the Blind Tiger now. Still good from what I hear. Well, now I want to go to the Blind Tiger. I spent a good amount of time in Colfax because we used to deer hunt north of Colfax. Is that on Highway M? It goes out of town after you pass the school on the on the left, and then you go north towards the Red Cedar. So we used to hunt up there. We don't anymore, and I miss it. We would always stop at the Sitco right on the main drag across from the dentist shop and right next to the fire department. We'd get our hunting snacks, you know, get our little Debbies, gas up. And back in the good old days when you actually had to register your deer in person, that's where everyone would gather. And then you'd just stand outside and you'd be like, "Eh, it's a nice buck. And everyone would, you know, keep the tailgate down to show off their buck. Not safe, but if you you put the tailgate up, no one sees it, right? I also, Jake from Colfax, like Jake from State Farm, last thing I'll say about Colfax, I want to retire one day. If I am so lucky, and if we are so lucky that this world makes it another 50 years, I want to retire on Sandy Point on the north end of Tainer Lake. I was talking to my sister about this over Christmas. 
Sandy Point is this big, like it's up off of the lake and it's a little secluded. Like I, I want to live there. I want to look out over the big end of Tainer Lake and I want to step out of my deck every morning, put both of my hands around a nice warm cup of coffee, uh, breathe in the nice sea air, look out over the lake. That's where I want to retire. And I know that's not quite Colfax, but it's it's South Colfax. It's getting closer to Colfax than it is from Menominee. Love that we have a texter from Colfax. Wild Bill also texts in on Rogers. He says, forget about Rogers. What about Mercedes Lewis? He's a beast. Yeah, we need more Mercedes Lewis content. You're right, Wild Bill. Thanks for the text. 608-796-2558. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Mike Clemens is going to be here at 530. We're doing kind of our tinfoil hat, conspiracy theory chat. None of that with Mike. We're not wasting Mike's time. We're not taking him for a ride anywhere. So our serious Packers conversation will be at 530. I want to talk a little bit about coaching as well. We started yesterday by chatting just a bit on some of the best openings, you know, which coaching jobs are the best. And I want to keep that conversation going. I want to extend it first. Big Joe's calling in. Big Joe, what's up? It's been a while. Grant Bills, how are you living, kid? I am living excellent. I think we had some technical difficulties about 20 minutes ago. So if I dropped out for a minute or two on anyone, I apologize. But I think we got it right now. Grant, you are forgiven, buddy. You are always forgiven. All right, what's up, Big Joe? What's new with you, and what sports stakes you got today? Not what's... much, but well, last night celebrated my buddy's 39th birthday, so that was really awesome, and got some nice wings. That was delicious. All right, that sounds tasty. All right, all right, so you're living good. That's good to hear. I went out for beers Absolutely. last night. I, I skipped dinner, and I just elected for beers. It's bad, but... Grant, I was drinking... Maybe proud of me. I was drinking 250 PBRs. Gra- oh, <laughs> you're paying too much for PBR, my friend. I gotta get you a PBR hookup if you're spending 250 although that is still a great deal compared to most beers. Do you have... Not to just get right down to business here, Big Joe, but I'm fascinated. What do you think about this Aaron yeah. Rodgers thing? People claiming that he leaked this story. Because I don't think it's true, but I think it's funny and hilarious. It's just been one toxic thing after another with Rodgers all year, buddy. It's just... They're trying to attack him, and it's just let the man be him. And you know what? He lets his game speak for itself. I think he's going to be the league MVP. Um, I want to see the Packers go all the way, but they got some things they got to work on. Grant, they got the, they got, got, yeah, they really got to clean up on the defense. I think they went soft since the Kansas City game. Mm -hmm. Special teams all year has been our Achilles heel, and it came down to crunch time. Do you trust Mason Crosby to make a field goal? Do you? you, Because I'm not sure. What do you think? Let me tell you this, Greg, because you know me well, and I love my pop culture. Laces out, Marino. Yeah, someone is going to botch a hold. I, I'd be more worried that they, oh, they, hey, they get one blocked or something. Yeah, what's up? Sure. I got a question for you, too, buddy, and then I'll end on this. All I right. wanted to see what you got to say this. Uh, will Major League Baseball get a deal done sooner than later? Oh, no, not sooner than later. I think they'll probably block out a little bit of spring training. I think they'll miss some spring training games. What do you think? I think so, too. Uh, my my boys, Snappers are starting to announce some of the roster already, buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, lacrosse loggers, that season, the Mallards, that season's on track, baby. And uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Major League Baseball, I'm not so sure. They're going to be annoying about it, and it's going to suck, but w- whatever. Whatever. Hey, we'll have, we'll have good minor league baseball. Uh, my old manager, Corey, was from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He got me a T-shirt, Grant, for Christmas. The Carolina Disco Turkeys, inspired by John Travolta. <laughs> I miss some... I miss the Brevard County Manatees. That was one of my. Uh, oh yeah. That was one of my favorite mascots. All right. Well, let's get ready for Major League Baseball because we might have to talk about minor league if this keeps going, Big Joe. So stay ready, and, and we'll talk again soon. 
My kind of team, Charlie, is my kind of team. Thanks, Big Joe. Have a good night. <laughs> see you, yeah, see see you. That's Big Joe. Oh, good to talk to you. Sorry to pot you down. That's Big Joe in Madison. Yeah, I don't know. Do we trust Mason Crosby? Oh, that might be a topic that we have to do in the next two weeks. Shoot. I was hoping that that wouldn't come up. Because I think deep down, we're all like, no, I'm not really sure that we do. But publicly, if someone asked you, like if a Vikings fan asked you, oh, you don't trust Mason Crosby, do you? We'd say, absolutely, I do. I, I, I'd lay my life on the line with that guy. But deep down, I think we're all kind of like, can you just, damn it, Mason, just get through one more playoffs, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens next. But, geez, I think we're all worried deep down just a little bit about Crosby, even if we would be hesitant to admit it, which I am, because I don't really know if the Packers would have a better option. I think Crosby's experience in the postseason, especially kicking the elements at Lambeau, I think that gives him a leg up on <laughs> uh, just about anyone that they would bring up from some practice squad or make a trade, which you can't do now. But you get my point. Even if Crosby hasn't been perfect, I think he's the best option uh, by far of any remaining but limited options they would have. Uh, 608-796-2558. Richie's in Eau Claire. Richie, what's up? Hey, how's it going, Grant? It's going good. I got to talk to Big Joe. I haven't done that in a while, so that kind of spiced up the I, thing. I, well, I, I know and He's actually my inspiration here. I, I was kind of trying to find an excuse to call in, and then he started talking baseball, and you know that's my jam. So yeah. I had to had to chime in. Like he, you know, he's got me excited for baseball and some baseball talk. Now I I, I am a little worried because uh, we are for my son's spring break. We're going down to Arizona, and I already have my <sighs> spring training game tickets. And if they screw this up for me, I'm gonna be pretty pissed. Yeah, I would be too. Have you taken your son to a spring training game before? No, I've oh. taken him. He's eight years old. Uh, I took him to his first Eau Claire Express, and that's the same lacrosse loggers league. Yep. I took him to his first Express game last year, and it was a blast. We had so much fun, so I was really oh. looking forward to getting to a professional game. So, I mean, he could be like, hey, these are the at least, you know, a couple of the guys on the field are going to be guys that he sees on TV, you know. Yeah. So I was just really excited to take him to that, and they're probably going to screw it up for me. But, hey, I was going to say on the Express side of things, when the loggers come up here, you get your butt up here, and we're going to go have a beer. <laughs> should we Should we have a rivalry game? Should I come up and try to fight some Express fans or something? I'll, I'll come in my loggers I, gear, and we can make a scene. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Sure, right, right. I mean, it might have to be, like, uh, fabricating a scene because, you know, I love the Eau Claire Express, but it's not like, uh, you know, I, I know their lineup inside and out, and it's just, you know, it, for me, it's just, hey, they're a local team, and I go watch them. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's the thing. And I remember uh, last summer – or geez, what summer? The, the the summer, the first pandemic summer. So the summer of 2021, when even if things weren't shut down, like we were still kind of hesitant to go pack into bars because no one was vaccinated yet. And we still really didn't have a handle. We still don't have a handle, but we, you know, we understand a little bit better now. Like we would go to Northwoods League games because that was like, I was an yeah. outside bar. We could go sit outside in space in the sun. And like, that was a social thing to do. And I think for the rest of my life, even if I don't go to that many Northwoods leagues games, it will always like have a spot in my heart just because of that summer. Like it gave us something to do and I'll never forget that. Well, and you know, one of the leagues I really love to go to when I lived in Anchorage, Alaska yet, uh, there's a, a very similar league, same style with like the college players and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's actually where Mark McGuire played as well as a bunch of other major leaguers. Um, but they have a, uh, on the 4th of July, they always do a double header so by the time the second game of the doubleheader finishes, mm -hmm. it's almost dark enough for fireworks to That's be uh, seeable. <laughs> That's cool. Man, I, so you've lived in Alaska. Before I let you go, Richie, can I ask you a question? Have you spent, like, a lot of time in Alaska? I know at least a little, but, like, tell me more about that. 
Yeah, so I, I lived there for six years, okay. and, uh, um, you know, my, my in-laws still live there. So, you know, oh, shucks, when I got to visit the in-laws, I got to go back to Alaska. It's the yeah. Worst. Oh, okay, so I have one of my best buddies here in, in La Crosse. His brother lived in Alaska, I think just for a summer. Like, he found a job up there. He loves fishing, so he spent time up there. And I was talking with my buddy, like, two weeks ago, that if I had, like, unlimited time and resources and my life was just about traveling and experiencing things, I think I would want to experience a winter in Alaska just to see what it's like. Is that insane, or would you agree that it's, like, something worth experiencing and, and like, you come away from it changed? Because I... I think I would like take away something nuts from it being dark all the time. So I, I may not be the best person to ask that because winter was the reason I moved there. I grew up racing sled dogs here in Wisconsin. So that was the Mecca was to go to Alaska. Uh, So as long as there was snow on the ground, I didn't give a darn if it was dark and uh, I enjoyed the weather and made the best of it. And, you know, I, I didn't race up there, but I, I attended all the races. I got to do some volunteer work for the Iditarod. And um, so actually it's something that uh, Dan Casper and I work on together every, every year. He lets me call in and do kind of an intro to the Iditarod. And I've done that for about three or four years with him now. So, yeah, like as far as that goes, yes, I think it is amazing. Uh, I would say stay in Anchorage because their winters are similar to ours. Okay. They aren't uh, near, They aren't nearly as harsh. They're just really long. Is that because it's on the water? Um, like, does that keep you, it a little bit more stable, like being on Lake Michigan? Exactly. Would? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But if you get up to Fairbanks, like Fairbanks is crazy. They have the uh, – it's the city that has, like, the largest discrepancy in temperatures from summer to winter because sure. they'll in, in the summer they will actually hit triple digits, but then in the winter it can get negative 60 why do they hit triple digits? Why? We don't hit triple digits I, here that often. Well, I mean, when you got the sun up that long oh, during the yeah. day. Oh, I and, suppose, yeah. And then it's, you know, it's real central and, you know, the the more direct sunlight because of the way the earth tilts and everything. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of pulling this out of my backside. I'm not, like, real scientific on why, but I just know that it can hit triple digits. Not, like, all the time, but, you know, it, it's uh, the, I think it is one of the places in the entire world that has that big of a swing in temperatures from one season to the other. Okay. Now I'm going to let you go, Richie, not because I'm not enjoying this, but because (laughs) I need to move on. I want to talk more about this, but we're going to need to do it at a different time. I'm glad I asked because I I was enthralled listening to you. I want to know more. We're going to have to do it at a different time because at some point I probably should get back to the Packers, probably. But I appreciate you. you Thank you for calling. And I hope that next uh, next summer. Yeah, yeah. Next next summer you you come up here, we go to an Express Loggers game, and then go have a beer somewhere afterwards and we'll, we'll talk. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and I hope, uh, and I know we'll talk again before that, but I hope you and your son oh, do yeah. get to go to Arizona. That'll be awesome. So I appreciate hearing from you, man. Be well. Yeah, you too. Richie and Eau Claire. Wow. He's races sled dogs. I just, I was just asking about the winters and I just got back and I, I just got told the story. That was awesome. Enjoyed that. I feel like enjoying a winter, enjoying quote unquote, I just feel like it would be an experience. If you just got to go to Alaska for a winter, let's say you didn't have to go to work. You could just spend your time however you want, right? I don't know. Although now, you know what what's, I'm getting dangerously close to doing here is when the pandemic first started, remember when everyone's like, oh, now I can finally write that novel. I can finally learn how to play this instrument. I can finally do, you know, this or that. And I feel like that's very similar. Like that's a knockoff version of what I'm saying now. Like if I had a winter in Alaska where it was dark most of the time, you know, I could really do this or that. Well, if I didn't do it during the pandemic, I'll probably never do it. But I just think it would be a wild experience. 
to spend a winter there. And that's an experience that maybe one day I want to get. I don't know. There's like jobs and family and unimportant things that prevent me from doing that. But whatever. Maybe life will change and I get to go up there. I hope so someday. Brett is in lacrosse, not in Alaska. Although maybe Brett races sled dogs too. I don't know. I've never asked him. Brett, what's going on? What's going on? No, I don't race sled Damn. dogs. You race anything? Yeah. You don't race horses, do you? Nothing? Uh, no, I used to race four-wheelers. Yeah. That's similar. Beyond that. That's still pretty I mean, cool. it is. It was ice racing down on Lake Wisconsin, so that was fun. Oh. Um, yeah, good times. But yeah. anyway, let's forget the stupid baseball talk at this point. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, fine. Hey. My I, God. I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. We, I'm just going with the flow. I, I, I know. It was, what they want. What, it was Dave, right? Uh, it was it was first Big Joe, and then it was Richie. I haven't heard from Dave. Oh. Is Dave okay? It's been a while since I've heard Dave from Dave from Monona? Yeah, I haven't heard from him this week. Well, isn't he a huge Bears fan? Uh, no, he's a Packers fan, but he's a Cubs guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, he so, would no doubt be just the source of wisdom for the Bears coaching search. I have yeah. I have no doubt. I tell you, maybe <laughs> Nagy should go and, and coach the Cubs. Maybe. And then they could send, what, David Roth? Maybe Joe Madden could go coach the Bears. I don't know. Is he still with the Angels? Is Joe Madden coaching? God. I Actually, we wanted to get get out of baseball talk. You wanted you were about to go into the Packers. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we got an opportunity ahead of us here okay. to make amazing things happen and to end this whole year mm-hmm. of BS okay. with Aaron Rodgers. On the okay. highest of highs. I like this. Keep going. Give me more. Give me more. Tell me more. And then as soon as we're done, Jordan Love is being traded for, I don't know, Mitch Trubisky. Why Trubisky? Uh, <laughs> what? And, and Trubisky's <laughs> going to come be Rogers' backup until he decides to walk away. Shades of Jim McMahon joining the Packers, I suppose. That, that's nice. I know he went to Buffalo first, but McMahon from the Bears to the Packers. I like that. That makes sense now. You yeah. talked me into it. Yep. Nope. All, I mean, honestly, let's just let's trade love for, like, a new ball boy or something. <laughs> Anything they can get. Hey. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. First of all, I love everything you're saying. I have a question. If the Packers win yeah. the Super Bowl this year, if you were Aaron Rodgers, would you retire? No. Really? I think he might. I'd, I'd, I think he, I think he would think about back it. to back. Well, I guess maybe. I mean, I mean, you can't you can't be that mad at him. No, I, and I get the idea. Oh, run it back, do it again. Well, the team's not going to be as good, and like, I, very few quarterbacks have a chance to go out on their terms and go out on a high note. Right. And he would get to do both. And I just, I, I think he might do it. I think he might retire if that if they won it this that, year. Hey, I I wouldn't be that mad if that's what happened. But no. if he went to like like Denver, yep, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that would. That would suck. At least you'd be out of the NFC. Hey, I got to take a break, Brett, because yeah. we got to get to Mike Clemens. It was good to hear from you. I don't hear from you as often yeah. anymore. Thanks for the call. You too. We'll, we'll talk to you after we figure out who we're playing next week. Awesome. All right. We'll do a preview next week. Have a good All one, right. Brett. Bye. Bye. Brett in lacrosse. Wow. Callers stepping up to the plate and carrying that segment. We went from the disco. What was the minor league team inspired by? The disco squirrels, the disco dogs. And then we went to the Iditarod and me and Brett are finally bringing it back, back to center here about the Packers. Let's take a break. We'll keep talking about whatever we're talking about. And then Mike Clemens in 10 minutes. We just got to get to Mike. That's what we need to do. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Mike Clemens will join us in 10 minutes. He sent me an email 
with today's selection of reports and audio. And it looks like we're going to do a spotlight on Dean Lowry. No, he hasn't sent it to me yet. But he did send me some Dean Lowry audio, which maybe we'll get to tomorrow. Because with the news of Whitney Merciless being back in practice, which I can't wait to ask him about, because I almost don't believe that. If Whitney Merciless is back and Zedaria Smith is able to come back, even if he just plays snaps here and there, you know how up front, Zedarius and Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Whitney Merciless. I I I I, I really like that defensive front. Get Kinsley, Kingsley Kiki rotated in there. Obviously, Kenny Clark's a monster. Like, man, Dean Lowry is maybe a, a great example of uh of depth. Right? Dean Lowry has probably been the same player his entire career. He's been good at some things, been limited at others. But as the defensive line has gotten better around him and deeper around him, he's able to make more plays. Now, he's facing single coverage. He's not going into double teams. He's getting less attention. But he's just being more opportunistic, too. Knowing that Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith are getting to the quarterback, sometimes he'll play back and watch the run or he'll get his mitts up in the air, and he's deflected a lot of passes this season. Dean Lowry has become a much better player as the depth around him has gotten better. So Mike sent me a little bit of audio from Dean Lowry. Maybe we'll put a pin in that and use it tomorrow. Because maybe a Dean Lowry spotlight would be good. Maybe that would be something nice going into the playoff weekend, the wild card weekend. Eric is on I-90. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you? I am good. How are you, Grant? I am I am swell. We've had a lot of good calls in the last 20 minutes, a lot of fun stories, a lot of unexpected things, so you're going to need to bring it here. Right. It's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It is. You're, um, you're, in, you're under the spotlight here, my friend. All right. The topic, and I'm going to play along now. What's the topic? What do you want to talk about? <laughs> you're, you're asking me? Uh, well, we've, we've talked yeah, about a bunch it, of things. Like, we talked about that Rogers rumor that he was the one that uh, spread the rumor and he fed the info about uh, about boycotting the Super Bowl. So that's a topic that we've talked about. Uh, we were talking about whether or not we trust Mason Crosby. And, of course, I know you're a Vikings fan, so if you have any thoughts on the head coach or the GM that you might get, you know, fire away. Oh, well, I think it was time for both of those guys to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably the most attractive general manager and head coaching position out there right now. I mean, every year there's four or five of them, right? Yep. I, I think so too. I, I think it's, I think that one in Jacksonville, but Jacksonville has like, uh, Minnesota definitely has the better ownership and the better infrastructure than Jacksonville. Uh, you're coming into a good situation. I agree. Um, I wanted to talk to you yesterday about this movie you referred to unstoppable. Yes. Yeah, what about that it? That was a good movie, wasn't it? Y- yeah, so you've seen it? I have seen it. And they did a great job of making the train the villain, right? Yeah, wow. Damn, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, they really personified that train, Eric. They really did. They really did, but the movie would have been really short if I would have been there. Okay, so I know nothing about you just... or your profession. Are you a train expert? No, no, no. I'm a process engineer, but I would have just pulled up some tracks. See, I got t- I think you texted me yesterday. I'm pretty sure there's a reason why that wouldn't work because the company didn't want the train to blow up. So maybe, Eric, the real villain isn't the train itself, but it's the greed of capitalism. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. That could be. That could be very well that they did not want to wreck their train. You are so right. <laughs> and I was oh. up in the Northwoods um, this last weekend. I was up in Cable. You were in Cable. You were near me. I was in Gordon. Look at us. 
Yep, we were uh, probably not too far away from each other. I was at the Lakewoods Resort on beautiful Lake Vietnamacagan. It was oh. a nice time. That's a great time. It was cold, wasn't it? Oh, it was cold. It was cold. Friday was um, as far yeah. as the Packers goal. Yep. You know, if this was a game of euchre right now, the Packers would have the right, the left, the ace, king, and queen. Yep. They really would. They're they set really up. They really would. I mean, it's, it's all set up. You know, the only thing that can screw this up is if Tom Brady comes to town and oh, and makes God. the suit like like hearts. Uh, first of all, that's a tremendous analogy. You, this has been an excellent call. That's a great analogy. Yeah. They're, they're in the best possible spot. They got the one seed. They got the bye. They're playing at home for the second straight year. I mean, that's why their Super Bowl odds are so high. I, I don't think the Packers are that much better than all these teams in the NFC or AFC, but they have the best path, and they've set themselves up really well. I agree with you there. You know, and there's one thing about when you watch Packers this year, and I, and I watched, Yes, I would say, most of the Packer game. Um, you know, they never had a bad look. They always passed the eye test, no matter hmm. – what was going on in the game, they were managing to put something together. Whether, you know, they might have a bad bad drive here and there, but yeah, um, they, they really passed the eye test this year. I can't see them. I can't see them getting beat, but in old, they all play the game, right? Yeah, any given Sunday, that is what they say. And look at you. You, you just made a euchre analogy, and you're talking about the eye test. Eric, this might be your best call ever. I got to let you go to get to Mike Clemens, but I just want to... I want you to know that that was excellent stuff by you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Eric on I-90, who is a process engineer. I don't know what that is. I am now going to Google it while we wait for Mike Clemens to call. He will join us back in five minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. pitch pass we ran like bushbone 38 pitch pass in a nine-year-old championship game score a touchdown on that god it's always it sucks because i love the lions they run trick plays and they go all in and it just sucks when they do it to me it sucks when they do it to my team and they have fun against my packers and they handed him a loss on sunday not that it mattered was that a fun game to cover mike i know it's meaningless and it's very out of the ordinary for you but now we bring in Mike Clements. Was that kind of a fun change of pace? Is that a fun game to go cover as a reporter? It actually was. You thought there might be a little bit of a lull there in the third quarter, and the Packers had the lead, and you wondered if the fans were going to you know, start leaving in Detroit, but they stuck to the very end and ended up seeing a very exciting game that went down to the end. Yeah. Now, I think that the average fan, Packers fan, is saying, hey, come on, you know, Green Bay had their second and third string guys out there. How they pulled Jordan... They put Jordan Love on the field, and they took off Aaron Rodgers and and Devontae Adams and some other starters. That's true. 
But I'm here to tell you, that first team defense was out there until mid-quarter. Yeah. That first team defense was out there until Rasul Douglas was pulled off to the sidelines, and they put in Isaac Yadam, number 24 at corner, and then the Lions went and you know ran right at him with DeAndre Swift for would put him up to 37. You know, the, the, I don't care if it was your first, second, or third string defense. The Lions put up 37 points on you. Yeah. And you're supposed to be going to the playoffs. So, you know, my concerns out of that game were I start thinking about you've been denied trips to the Super Bowl when on onside kicks or gadget plays yep. or trick plays when Brandon Bostick muffs, you know, an onside kick uh -oh. when earlier in that game Pete Carroll is has completely lost momentum. So he runs a fake punt from former Packers punter John Ryan. That's how the Seahawks got that momentum back after I think uh you know, Wilson Russell Wilson had thrown three picks earlier in the game. Mm -hmm. Three years ago I remember being in the Coliseum press box watching the Rams host Mike McCarthy in what would turned out to be his last season against Sean McVay. Sean McVay had lost the momentum. He ran a fake punt where they threw it to Sam Shields, the former Packer, who who beat who? Kevin King on the right side yep. and got a first down. And don't you think that Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers, that he wouldn't try and pull some sort of a a, a, you know, a wacky play. If he's in Green Bay next week, maybe George Kittle gets to throw a pass. Yeah, be dumb not to. You know? It'd be dumb not to. You've got you have all these, like you're providing a roadmap here if you fall down 10 to nothing to the Packers. Like, this is how you come back and beat them. We have examples, yeah. Be dumb not to. You know, they've got a statue, Grant, in Philadelphia yeah. of Doug Peterson and Nick Foles talking about the Philly special play where the quarterback ends up catching a pass yeah. to upset the Patriots in the Super Bowl. These things happen, and these things do get results. And that got, you know, Doug Peterson a statue. He got Frank Reich a head coaching job with the Colts. And Frank Reich was probably actually the architect of that Eagles win in Philly. So yeah. I don't take these trick plays that you scored 14 points off of, which would have made the difference in getting a Packers win, uh, or, you know, Swift going right at, you know, your second string defensive back i don't think you should take those lightly just like you shouldn't take scotty miller lining up wide right and kevin king ignoring him and he ends up being one of the fastest guys on the field between the buccaneers and packers and tom brady just lost him a little touch pass before the half which is another touchdown that you know you didn't need to have tampa bay put on the board that let them get into the super bowl so yeah. this that first play in detroit that first trick play you saw 14, Amonra St. Brown, Equinemius' younger brother. He's lined up in the right slot, and he, he shoots left, jet left, gets the ball from Jared Goff, and he's supposed to turn up into the center. Now, they ran that play twice against the Atlanta Falcons, except this time he takes the ball and he flips it to his sweeping wide receiver, Tom Kennedy, who throws it to a wide-open Khalif Raymond running down the right sidelines. 75-yard touchdown. And I found this out after talking to Amonra St. Brown over the Lions' side about what happened on that play. Atlanta, we ran at that play where I come across, get that handoff twice. Um, so actually before that play that Tom Kennedy threw, um, I'm lined up, and all I hear from the sideline is, 
14 is getting the ball coming across, 14 is getting the ball, and I'm just smiling because I already know what's about to happen. So I get the ball. I mean, T, give it to TK, try to protect the edge of whatever I can, and TK just throws a dime to, to Khalif. So it was perfect. Oh, okay. So what went wrong, Mike? Did they study wrong on film and they had faulty information going into that play because they thought they knew what was going on? Or is it on Adrian Amos or Savage or one of the more experienced players on that defense to just instinctually sniff that out? What went wrong on that play? Because it seemed like the Packers were set up and yet they still give up the touchdown. When I asked LaFleur about it, he's saying guys stepped out their assignments. In other words, there should have been a corner or safety somewhere out there that says, I'm not going to bite on the on the run, you know, with the wide receiver running up into the middle of the field. Yeah. I'm going to trust the defensive lineman get him. I'm going to trust a linebacker gets him. Now, a, when a guy is on the field and he gets the ball in his hands, the speed plays and in, in, you know, there's a there's a reflex like, "Oh my god, if this guy gets an open field on this turf at Ford Field, yep. I'll never catch him." If he gets past the line of scrimmage, he gone. So, you know, you try and contain and capture these guys before they get going in the open field. At the same time, you're going against what they call the rules of your defense to hold your territory just in case the ball bobbles out or whatever it comes backside. You're supposed to hold your ground and let the play come to you. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting to hear St. Brown from the Lions say, I could hear him shout my name and I was laughing because they didn't know that this time I was actually not going to run with it. I was going to flip it to my teammate so he could throw a pass. But they were saying 14th getting the ball. So that tells me, well, at least the Packers defense was watching that Falcons line tape from two weeks ago, right? Because they recognized the play. Yeah. Or at least the first part of the play. So I told this to Joe Barry. Now, usually I edit these things for you, Grant, but I'm letting this play in its entirety just so that the listener can judge the mind of your defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. I said, hey, Joe, you know, when I hear the guys from the Lions saying they could hear him shouting out 14, 14, it's clear that they watched that Falcons Atlanta tape a couple of weeks ago. And here's what Joe Barry said. I was one of those guys yelling that that 14 is going to get the ball, you know, because it was I mean, it, it was it really was. It was great design by them. Um, they were in a they were in what we call 01 personnel. With their, there's not even a running back on the field. You know, it's one tight end and four and four receivers which you instantly think, you know, conventionally that, oh, it's going to be an empty formation. Um, But then they were able to create a three-by-one formation and put a wide receiver in the backfield. Uh, And the the previous times that they had ever shown that, they had just run a little, you know, counterplay handoff uh, to 14. So we absolutely were. And and that's the thing, guys, when, when, and I don't, I don't call them trick plays. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a football play. And in football, um, especially defensive football, which is so reactionary, um, you have to apply the defensive call. You have a rule. You have a technique uh, based on, you know, whatever the heck you're in, whether you're in man, whether you're in zone, whether you're a four-man rush, a five-man rush, whatever. Uh, and you have to apply that, that technique and that rule uh, you know, to once the ball snapped, you just got to react. And um, they they did a great job designing that play because, you know, I think that's, again, why they are referred to trick plays because, you know, what transpired, you know, two seconds after the ball snapped, you know, we had no idea. But um, that's, that's where you have to, you know, when you play defensive football, 
you have to you have to follow your rules. You have to be disciplined with your eyes and you have to play rules football because you have no idea. The offense knows what the play is. The defense doesn't. So um, it, it was it was great design. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was but I I. I I was one of those guys that were yelling when he heard 14's getting the ball. You know, we were all yelling it, and 14 did get the ball, but then he freaking pitched the ball. So, uh, but no, it was it was a uh, you know you just yeah yeah in in those situations when those things happen, whether it's a a double pass, a reverse pass, uh, they got us on a flea flicker late in late in the game. Again, you have to rely on your rules and just having disciplined eyes. Uh, you know, because defensive football everything's built for if you follow your rule you should be able to at least be in position uh and they they obviously got us on those two plays you know it was a 120 yards and, and two touchdowns which unfortunately ended up being the uh, you know the deciding factor in the game okay so we're talking with mike clemens there's a lot to unpack there i like that joe barry breaks it down in detail and i like that he admits yeah i, I was one of those guys we thought we had it figured out it really comes down to, Mike, what he said, right? Fundamentals and staying home, right? And not being sucked in. And you might give up 15 yards. You might give up 10 yards. Or, or you might give up a nice play. But you can't let the whole thing jailbreak, right? Because defense in the NFL now, th- there is an element of bending but not breaking. There has to be. Because football's not designed for defenders to get stops every play. But you can't give up touchdowns. So I guess that makes me worry a little bit about Amos and Savage and the guys on the back end. And maybe we need to talk about Darnell Savage because I haven't loved what we've seen and maybe it's a good thing that we saw this in the Detroit game, so it's been brought to their attention because there have been playoff games that have been won with trick plays. You referenced Seattle, but New England for years, like they'd mix one in every playoff game with success, Mike. So this isn't a problem that's going to go away without the Packers addressing it. No, and so, you know, I, there's when you listen to Joe Barry in his press conferences, you'd think that some of the players would want to hang themselves when they're in the team meetings. Yeah, But they all love this guy. And I think and part of the reason is because I think he's very honest. He's not playing any politics. He's very straightforward. He wears his heart, you know, on his sleeve, uh, all those kinds of reasons. So let's ask the veteran safety, Adrian Amos, am I making a big deal out of this? Or what happened on some of these trick plays that the three and, you know, whatever they were, 13, 14, and one uh, Lions pulled on you and beat you with at Ford Field? I mean, certain things are um, coverage beaters. Some things are eyes beaters. And then, you know, some things are, you know, we just got to be locked into what we have, what we have in our assignments and, and our rules. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, a lot of trick plays just challenge the rules, challenge your eyes. It, challenge, it challenges a whole bunch of different things within your defense sometimes. So things like that happen. Glad we got it in and, and move forward. That's just, you know, two trick plays. We've had a couple of other trick plays during the year. They just didn't really work, so nobody really, you know, said too much about them. But, you know, we, we got to be better with our eyes. You know, start start with um, the me and the safeties, corners, and the back end. That's really what it tests um, because, you know, we, we probably can handle, you know, even certain things that are not may not even be particularly our assignments. But, you know, it all comes down to those deep pass plays. It's always on us. So um, we just got to keep, you know, keep our eyes and be disciplined. At one point this season, Mike, I remember, I don't know if it was maybe around the Seattle game, when that defense was really peaking, I was seeing a lot of complimentary things for the Packers' safeties. You know, Amos and Savage, one of the best duos in the league, maybe the best. And ever since then, I don't know about Amos, because I think he's pretty consistent. He, He may never flash and look spectacular, but he's always good. But what about Savage? What if if you and and other people that cover the Packers closely, 
what are they talking about with the safeties? Because Adrian Amos said, if we're doing our job, we can help out other players. And obviously that didn't happen on those trick plays. You know, Savage had a tendency, I thought, uh, to pursue the ball and sometimes missed an assignment. Sure. And But he's been also been able to save himself on some plays because he still has, does have great speed so he can play catch-up. But, you know, he's not afraid to stick his head in there and wrap up and go after Delvin Cook or some other big running back, you know, if necessary. I mean, Savage is a, is a good pick. I think, you know, Savage and Amos back there, Sav and Smash, as they call them, yeah. um, that's a pretty darn – that that combination can get you to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. No question. Yeah. So, all right, here's another distraction you, worry, you, you wonder about. Nathaniel Hackett's the offensive coordinator. And quickly, I'll talk about – now, all the guys back on the field now during these bi-week walk-through outdoor practices, David Bakhtiari, well, he rested today. But it looks like they're going to, you know, then they put Josh Myers in the Lions game after he missed 10 weeks with that knee injury. He would not go into details as what it was when we talked to him yesterday, but it looks like he's going to start and replace Lucas Patrick at center, Lucas, you know, for, their, for the last 10 and a half games. Then, of course, Lucas ends up testing positive for COVID yesterday. Mm-hmm. Billy Turner has been trotting around on the practice field with the knee. Now, you don't know if this guy's actually – 100% ready to go because we don't have an official injury report, but it, they, he's designated. I mean, he's on the active roster, which means he could qualify to take over right tackle after missing the last five or six weeks, and he'd replace Dennis Kelly. Jair Alexander continues his rehab from shoulder. Can he actually a tackle guy? Yeah. And now Zadarius Smith back from back surgery last couple of days. Again, can he? is he really ready to play football? And then today it got even crazy. Whitney Merciless, That's insane. who had the torn bicep yeah. in mid-November, you thought, and you know, we're told, season-ending surgery, he's out there trotting around today. Doesn't mean he could play football next weekend, but, you know, he's back on, and they had to activate him in order to have, him have the rights to be on the field. And then one other thing is going on is Nathaniel Hackett, you know, offers to talk to the Jaguars, the Denver Broncos, and even the Chicago Bears, I asked LaFleur about that. You know, how do you feel about that? And he says, you know, we can't, we're not going to hold up, get in the way of a guy, uh, you know, ascending and getting promoted in this league. Um, that's how you, you know, get the yeah. attention on your staff. But we asked Hackett, I said to him today, this is the worst possible time. I mean, think it, I think it would be a great time to hire an NFL coach about a week before the NFL combine in February. But the playoffs are starting, man. Isn't this a huge distraction while you're talking to these other teams? You know, we're very lucky here uh, right now because, you know, we don't have an opponent. So uh, being in this situation is 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 really a blessing. I mean, you have the opportunity to kind of look ahead and get a feel for the teams we might play. We have, you know, four people that potentially could be our opponent. So you want to try to get, uh, get a beat on them and, and kind of do a little bit because you don't want to do too much because you don't know what's going to to happen but just kind of get a, a fresh look on those guys and then the rest of the time i mean we have a chance to go home see our families and then once the kids go to bed have the ability to you know kind of review notes like i had said before and and get ready uh, to be able to talk with with some different people how much preparing do you actually have to do to apply to be an nfl head coach like if they're wanting to interview you they know their deal like they know your offense they know what you're about like do you really need to put together a presentation hackett said it took him three days to prepare to present when the Falcons wanted to talk to him hmm. um, last year. So the good news is now he knows 
what it's like to put that through, what it's like to go through that process. Sure. So, you know, he can probably just play off of that. All right, one other thing. Let's say you're up by two touchdowns, Packers against the Eagles or the 49ers at the Tundra, and it's supposed to be really cold next weekend here in Green Bay. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they come back, and now they're down by a touchdown, and it's a, you know, it's a minute left, so they kick an onside kick. Is the Packers special teams, which has been shaky, are they ready for onside kicks? Is Mason Crosby ready to kick one if needed? Because, you know, when you got Aaron Rodgers, you don't need onside kicks. He's always, you know, getting Mason Crosby in position to kick winning field goals. Yeah. I asked Mo Drayton about that today. Yes, sir. We have a, a, a system and a routine on how we uh, practice those and when we practice them. Uh, the, the emphasis is not heightened. Uh, it's just a continuation of what we've been doing and what we've been preparing all year. Do you buy that, Mike? I, like, I, what, did, what did he just say, even? I, what was that? Not much. It was a pat answer. Yeah. I don't, I, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know. He didn't convince me that he's ready or that he's got a crazy play up a sleeve, you know? He's and I haven't seen Mason Crosby kick a lot of those things in practice or otherwise. They just, you know, I haven't seen that. He they, said it's not about height. What is that? I never said it was. What? Okay, well, it's good. It's not about height. We know that much for sure, Mike. Okay. (laughs) The one thing about bye week is, you know, it's not like these – I mean, these guys are working. They're in meetings. It's it's a playoff week, bye week, and they've done a lot of self-scouting and conditioning and going to the trainer. But at the end of the day, they do have the weekend off. They don't have to, like Smash said today, you know, Adrian Amos, I don't have to get in a car accident on Sunday. Um, you know, I can chill and, and rest up and get those bruises. You know what Adrian said, though? He says, you know, I have to keep moving because if I just sit around in a chair all day, oh, yeah. Saturday or Sunday, then I get stiff. Yeah. Then yep. I get stiff. Aaron Rodgers asked, what are your plans for this weekend? Rest. Rest. I mean, uh, I'm about to go home. It's pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> so I'm going to enjoy this rest. Uh, I still, like I'm sure many people, hopefully it's not just me. I mean, I still got semi-messy house post, you know, Christmas and New Year's. and uh, It's the end of the season, so you don't have time for that. So I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to rest. I'm going to read some books. And I'm going to relax. That's what I'm getting out of this week. So two very different approaches, I guess, Mike. I guess different things work for different people. That's Adrian Amos and Aaron Rodgers a little different. But they play very different positions. So I guess that's not a surprise. That's true. I suppose when you, you're hitting guys, um, it's, a, it's a different thing than when you're dodging them. Yeah, that's very true. Two different approaches. Okay, well, uh, what are you going to do this weekend? How are you spending your bye? Watching lots of football. I like that. And, and looking at rosters and flip cards right. and getting ready for whoever's coming in next week because um, it will be a big week. And this is a heck of a story. And I'm just really focused to see if, you know, this isn't a Cinderella team anymore. No. You know, this is a – I. you don't get 12, 13 wins every year in this week. It just doesn't happen. No. This is his best chance, LaFleur's best chance, Rogers' best chance. This is that whole team's best chance. Yeah, I agree. I started feeling the weight of that this morning. I'm like, man, they got, they got to do it this year. They got to get there. Okay, well – this will be the first weekend knowing our opponent is the first step, and I'll talk to you about whatever opponent that is next Tuesday, Mike. Enjoy the weekend. Have a great night, Grant. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. That's Mike Clemens. Happy he can be here. Find him on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.